0: all right everybody so back on the podcast we have brian borstein and aaron straker how are we doing guys
1: what's up man just glad to be here hang out with you fine fellows
2: yeah likewise i think it's always cool getting to hang out and talk about things that we like to do
0: yeah i guess it hasn't been that long since I mean, you, you were saying september i'm surprised it's already been it's been five months since we met up man and then the podcast was maybe a month after that. I was trying to find some of the pictures and videos from when we uh we met up, but I guess it has been.
2: You know what it was? It was the end, it was September 31st or something like that, because I had a wedding in Pennsylvania, right. September 30th. So it had to be right right wow. then, or like October 1st or something.
0: Yeah, it's fine, man. So uh so we were chatting a little bit about some blood work anomalies, right, with both of you guys, actually. And I actually originally I was thinking I would look at it ahead of time. It's, it's been a crazy week. So, I actually, this will be my first time looking at either of your blood works. So, nice. you know, we'll <laughs> see if um, I'm put to the test how I do. But uh, basically, just for people listening, uh, we're going to do a review. You might have seen previous podcasts where um, I've had Vigor Steve on. We reviewed blood work and we reviewed um, actually, in his case, like echocardiograms and MRIs as well. I just had Pete Rubichon. We reviewed his blood work so we're going to do this and, and I think you know not everybody needs to have all these tests done but I do think if you're 30 plus definitely 40 plus you would probably want to make sure you know basic values like CBC um CMP lipid panels that uh, you guys have done more than that but really I think you should have a basic idea because uh not everybody has a primary care physician and even if you do I actually this literally just happened uh this week my friend I've mentioned on the podcast he had blood work done and his, he, he texted me and he said, yeah, everything was perfect. I said, can you send it to me? And then he had to actually go on lab core, and he looks at you like, oh, actually my LDL is high. My HDL is low because really, unless like you got something that's really standing out, most physicians just want to make sure you're not dying, right? Like you are not like have some like acute serious issue, but other than that, they're not really looking for optimal. So, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to be the person who, says everything has to be perfect, but I do think you should understand the basic values.
1: I think a lot of the ambiguity comes from the reference ranges, which are oftentimes so large. And like you can't even know that being right in the middle of the reference range is the best place to be. Like A lot of them, you're benefited. You want to be closer to the bottom of the reference range. And a lot of them, you want to be closer to the top of the reference range. Um, So I think that that is where a lot of confusion comes in with this stuff too. Yep, definitely.
2: One thing that I was going to say too, is like defining normal, right? Like these lab corp ranges or whatever range you're coming from are for your standard American. Right. And when we like people like us, I mean, sure, I guess we could be standard Americans, but people who do prioritize their health, who do prioritize sleep and nutrition and those sorts of things like that puts you at like a subset of the population. And you, I mean, it's your life. You would like to be optimal for the life that you get, not compared to, a normal of someone who treats their body like a dumpster fire sort of thing.
0: Right, for sure. So, all right, so we'll uh, we'll start with Brian. Now, Brian, as I'm pulling this up, uh, I'll do a screen share, but do you want to just kind of briefly explain what was concerning you on yours?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a few things. Um, the, the big changes that occurred from last time were uh, the DHEA sulfate was up like, higher than it was before. So I think it was like 329 before and now it's like 560 or something along those lines. So that one's out of the reference range. And that's the first time I've ever had blood work with that one out of the reference range. Um, My insulin was super low, fasting insulin, um, so low that it flagged it uh, as being below. Like usually you want to have the range I think is something like 2 to 24 or something like that, but you want to generally be between 2 and 8. Um, But I was even below 2. On insulin. And so that had me slightly concerned. Uh, My estradiol went up like three and a half times what it was before, but still in the reference range. So I don't know how much of a a big deal that is. Um, And then beyond that, like, I see my liver enzymes like ALT and AST are in the middle of the range, and I've heard Atia and a number of other people talk about how you generally want those liver markers to be on the lower end. Uh, the range is 0 to 40, and mine were like 30. So um, that was semi-concerning to me, especially because the last blood work I did, they were like 20 and 24, I think, or 20 and 22, something like that. So they've gone up a little bit. Um, and then beyond that, my, t- my total testosterone is up like 180%. Uh, which is, sounds great, except that my free testosterone didn't go up at all. So I decreased that ratio of free to total. Um, and then beyond that, like, I'd be curious your insights on some of the other things that you may or may not see, but, uh, those were the big ones that stood out to me.
0: Sure. Well, you're on a Greg, you says testosterone booster, right? So that's probably been a big, big, (laughs) I don't know anything (laughs) about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let me do a screen share here. All right. So I'm just going to go down from the top here. Um, so you had a CMP done. And you didn't mention your creatinine, actually, which I don't care about that because I
1: take creatine, right?
0: So well, it's funny, because so high levels of BUN and creatinine are common among guys who are muscular guys who lift a lot. So I'm I'm not concerned either. Um, I just wanted to point it out because people would see it as hey, it's high, but yeah, I'm not concerned either, but it, I'm glad you are not. Um, so going down here, we yeah, really nothing here stands out too much for me. So if we just go to your liver enzymes real quick, so I am not concerned about that at all. Uh, 27 AST, 30 ALT. Do you have your alkaline phosphatase? Yeah, that's, that to me is completely fine. I've not heard Peter Tia say that. Um, I'm actually surprised he would say that if you heard me with a uh, Pete Rubish, one of the things I said to him is that a lot of these enhanced guys have elevated liver enzymes and they frequently will use the fact that they lift heavy as an excuse. And what I said to him was I've seen dozens of blood work, dozens of people's blood work on gear and dozens of people's blood work off gear, just naturals. And consistently the guys on gear have higher levels of liver enzymes. Now you could argue that, well, they're more muscle, and they're trained harder maybe. Um, but I think it's often used as an excuse because especially if it's like, sometimes several times the reference range for you at these levels like I literally would not be concerned at all um yeah yeah. so now your cholesterol is really interesting to me because you don't take a statin or anything right nope and you have shockingly low LDL levels I mean your total is 114 triglycerides fantastic HDL good a 54 LDL. I mean, most of the population would have to be on a statin, if not a statin and a PCSK9 inhibitor. I mean, that is, uh, I think you said that, did your mom or somebody else in your family said always tested really low as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've ever, since I've ever done blood tests, I've always had low cholesterol. And back in the day, I feel like this, this, um, perception has changed recently, but Back in the day, they used to say that my low testosterone was probably due to my low cholesterol. Um, but I've talked to people recently that have said that that, is, that shouldn't be the case necessarily. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Certainly, cholesterol is a precursor to a lot of hormones. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I'm very pleased to see how good your cholesterol is. I'm curious, do you have any history of like, cardiovascular events in your family?
1: No, Um Mostly it's diabetes and metabolic disease, insulinemia, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, iron's fine. All that's good. So for people who don't know, the next one up here is a CBC. Normally I see them actually label it like CBC or CMP. I'm not seeing that here, um, but that would be what all this stuff is here. Red blood cell count, hemoglobin hematocrit. So when you see a lot of times when people go on gear as well, this is a concern because their hemoglobin hematocrit, they talk about their blood gets really thick that's what they mean essentially sometimes platelet count goes up as well um where are your playlists yeah so all that you're looking good so testosterone is interesting only because you are historically low and this is I think just important for people to hear because out of really all of us I mean like like the kind of I don't know our little group here of like you me Aaron Abel Steve all that like probably per height you're maybe the most muscled right um you know because you're ten, right brian yeah and even at 200 i mean i know you say you like to be a little bit leaner but like you're still relatively lean at 200 pounds i mean you're a big guy and most of the time you've had your testosterone checked is 300 or less uh, which probably shock a lot of people and it's not that testosterone doesn't matter but you know, I I think the value is maybe on average per 100 nanograms per deciliter of testosterone, you're looking at maybe a pound or so of muscle again, on average, right, maybe somebody's a hyper responder or whatnot. So, um, you know, maybe if your testosterone was naturally at 900, you might have five pounds more muscle, but it's not going to make or break the physique, right. And, And so it's interesting to see this. Now, how many times would you say you've had your testosterone checked over the years?
1: in the last decade i'd say five or six times
0: okay and and this is the highest you've ever had correct yeah okay so that is definitely interesting um i, I assume these were all morning tests
1: right uh yeah all the same fasted and everything yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah so it is interesting i mean certainly there's going to be variability from each time like sometimes i've seen people say you know that this value changed by 20 points and it's like you know depending on the test it's just that's not that's within the you know standard error there but um i don't really have a a reason as to why that would happen i'd say it's awesome that it did happen um certainly so for people who who don't know um testosterone is converted to dht by five alpha reductase enzyme and then to estrogen by the aromatase enzyme so i don't see your estrogen here yet but i know you mentioned where is it uh yeah yeah, so it's 30.9 so like you said still still within the reference range um not surprisingly, that would correlate with increased testosterone. Right. But um, again, not something I would worry about. Some people say you actually want a little bit like high normal estrogen. There's a whole debate on that. But um, again, nothing I would say is concerning. Have you noticed any difference at all? Would you say like, you know, any difference in feeling or progress or anything
1: like that? Well, I think the only there's actually two things that have changed in the last year since i uh had the, the prior test uh one is that i started mouth taping at night because i'm a mouth breather by nature and uh since mouth taping at night i've been getting subjectively higher quality sleep uh better deep sleep better REM sleep stuff like that and uh then on top of that in for the last two months i stopped smoking weed and now i only eat it so i don't know if there's any uh any effect from that but Aaron brought that up on our podcast as a potential fact of like smoking itself just being um potentially responsible for for something related to that
0: yeah interesting I mean I mean I don't know how your sleep if you have like sleep scores or a sleep study done but certainly people who have sleep apnea do tend to have lower testosterone higher rates of metabolic disease and all that as well so maybe potentially related
1: yeah I don't know if I had sleep apnea per se but I've had no issue breathing fine since taping my mouth.
0: Yeah. Did you see um recent podcast with Peter T was talking about fentanyl? He like, literally just released that.
1: I haven't listened to it yet. He
0: was just talking about how now even uh, marijuana, it, people are finding it's being laced with fentanyl as well. And, wow. you know, it's just pretty crazy. So now you didn't test your DHT, right? No. Okay. Um, one thing to note on the estradiol here. I don't know if i because i've seen people who have had both tested and they seem to correlate but people will say that for men testing estradiol itself is not recommended and you need a high sensitivity test and so uh, i'm trying to remember the guy's name there was like you know basically like one of the pioneers of trt and whatnot and he was always saying how Um, this estradiol itself is completely useless and, and you have to have this high sensitivity test. I am not sure if I, again, just from what the blood work I've seen, it seems to correlate. And in your case as well, even with the testosterone, your testosterone went up, estrogen went up. So I don't know if I, I totally buy that, but, um, but that is something I've heard as well. TSH, totally fine. Vitamin D. So you must take vitamin D.
1: Yeah, I supplement with uh, vitamin D drops three or four times a week in the morning uh, during the winter. Okay. Um, and how many I use? Do you know? Yeah, I want to say it's around seven to 10,000 when I do it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty high.
0: Um, you know, I've seen places that sell vitamin D will often talk about how You know, you want your ideal amount to be close to eighty. I don't think there's really any evidence for that. I I think there is evidence that being below thirty is problematic. Um, But eighty-seven point five. I mean, you could probably cut your dose in half. I would say, Um, just something to keep in mind, because there are some potential issues of having chronically elevated vitamin D. Okay. So the DHEA sulfate. To be honest, I don't have a huge input on this um the range is actually less than i'm used to seeing the fact that it's elevated is interesting so you know most of what's picked up is produced by the adrenals and it could be a measurement of adrenal activity Um, i know for women with like pcos sometimes they'll look at that as well i i'll be honest this one i would be a little bit stumped in just in the sense that i don't have i don't know what to do with that value you know, like it, like, would it change anything clinically? I'm not sure. But um, now you you said you've had this tested before.
1: Yeah, it was 329 or 320 the last two times I did it, so it was like really, really consistent. And then this time, obviously, you can see it significantly higher. Uh, the internet says that that means I could potentially have tumors on my adrenal glands. They love to scare you, but that's what the internet sure. says.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And are you planning on doing a repeat test at all?
1: Yeah, I'll probably do one again in three or four months or six months. I'm not in a huge rush, to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious when we get to it. Um, Aaron, did you test that at all?
2: Yeah, I'll have the, the DHEA sulfate. Correct. Yeah, that'll be on my labs, too.
0: Okay, Cool um so and and while your HbA1c is totally normal so for people who don't know this is basically like a long-term marker of glucose regulation so you when you get your glucose which I don't know if I looked at it above um your glucose, 92. So 92 so I mean it's fine you know maybe slightly elevated but um HbA1c is more of like a long-term marker there right like an analogy would not a perfect analogy but somewhat analogous to like ferritin versus iron right so like ferritin is, is more like a long-term measurement um so the reason I just bring this up is because yours is totally fine at 5.4 and so I know you had some concern about the insulin right if you had like super low insulin then could that mean that you are know, a type 1 diabetic so you you know you're not producing insulin and I would say that in isolation that's a fine rabbit hole to like go down if you don't have anything else but and, and you can develop type 1 diabetes at, later in life too um pretty rare for somebody like in your situation in age and age and everything to just randomly develop it uh, but again based on your glucose and, and everything else your hba1c i i can't imagine you have type 1 diabetes so <laughs> um I, that's not a concern for me with the low insulin
1: so like why would we see that though like do you have any reason for why it would drop like it was It was low before, I think it was 3.4 last Mm -hmm. time and 3.4 the time before that. So like, why would it suddenly drop to a third of that, you know?
0: Yeah, I I would really say retest and just see, um, not to write it off. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just like single lab values. And this is what I try to tell people as well. Like sometimes single lab values, not always, but oftentimes can just be an anomaly, and before any sort of like treatment or, or further like scanning or anything like that is done, you really have to retest, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I do know doctors who will start to prescribe stuff um, based on one, like even testosterone, right? I was just talking to Menno Henselmans about how easy it is to get testosterone if you really wanted it. Um, and sometimes it's just like, sometimes they don't even test it. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I feel this way. All right, right, we'll hear some. So mm-hmm. obviously that's a whole nother rant. Um, yeah. And, and you don't have, you don't follow a low carb diet really at all, right? No. Yeah, because I, I know certainly when I had done a ketogenic diet before uh, or a carnivore diet, insulin was very very low. Not surprisingly, probably right around. This, I had to pull up the values, but probably right around there. Um, but yeah, it is unusually low. Ferritin, I had just mentioned that's you know healthy, good level. C reactive protein. So I think I also touched on this with Pete Rubish, but for yeah. people listening, this is a test that I am shocked is not standard because it is, it has a high correlation. Uh, It's a very good predictor of mortality. Again, very good predictor relative to what we have, right? I'm not saying that like, it's just, you have a high CRP and you're going to die. die. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, But HSCRP is, and again, going back to that high sensitivity, right? CRP um, is, it's a different range. So people recommend HSCRP and that's what you'll see right here, right? Relative risk for future cardiovascular events. Yours is Perfect. I think yours is like identical to what um, Pete's was. 0.5. So that's really good. Um, thyroid. It's interesting that they didn't put this up with the TSH. But anyway, thyroid three T three totally fine. So is that everything? That was
1: yeah. So I had sent you apo B separately on a different uh, in the original email, but that okay. was fifty four. So I don't think apo B is anything to worry about either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my only other question for you really is: What are your thoughts on the? The way Peter Atiyah talks about free tea being the only thing that matters and total tea kind of being irrelevant.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was going to bring that up with Menno as well, because I would agree. So there's, you can do a test for free testosterone and then there's bioavailable testosterone, which isn't that different. And then there's total testosterone. I had, remember reading, and this was years back, an argument to be made for why total testosterone is also relevant. But I'm not sure the veracity of this guy's argument. Um, and, and I would tend to lean towards free testosterone being really what you should go by. And this was LabCorp, right? Or no, this is just like,
1: so it was, it, was at, it was tested at LabCorp, but I ordered it through Life Extension.
0: Gotcha. Um, cool. So, yeah, so really the only thing I, I don't have great input on, I would just say so the DHGA sulfate, I would really just say for that, any insulin retest um again with the insulin I'm not worried about it at all with the DHEA, I just don't know what to do with that um it's not something I see elevated in just like a normal population so all right so all good there
1: yeah man I think that that uh looks pretty good for the most part all
0: right so let me just stop share for a second then we go to Aaron's yours was a uh PDF so I
2: attached I'd, I attached three. So what I would do is probably grab the first one from like October ish, because that one has like sex hormones and stuff. The one from December only has like lipids in uh, like a CMP. Uh, and then the most recent one that I got here in Bali is just like, that's where I have like my Apo a, or ApoB, my lipoprotein A, and just another small like glucose HbA1c. That was like a much smaller profile. Because labs here are expensive,
0: in Bali.
2: Yes. Really?
0: Okay. Um, like the one. Thing. Sorry, you said you wanted to start where the October one.
2: Yeah, that's going to be the most complete set, um, minus uh, some like the apo B and the, and the lipoprotein A. Um, all
0: right. Yeah. See, this is it's interesting because you both went to Core, but maybe because the other one was through Life Extension. But see how they they kind of have the panels together. That's usually how I've seen yeah. it done. So, um, cool. So before I dive into it, what specifically concerned you, Aaron?
2: I mean, yeah, just to be super, super transparent, um, historically HBA1C and fasting glucose are right about that pre-diabetes level. Um, my fasting insulin always comes back low or just on the cusp of low, not quite as low as Brian's, but like a two, three, uh, I've never seen it above that. And like, I mean, this is going back five years now since I've been trying to get like my, my glucose and stuff into like a more healthy range. And my body just for one reason, either like doesn't want it there, or I may be someone like an endocrinologist told me this may actually be one of those people that develops um, type one diabetes. Um, So there's that part. And then the other part is like lipids are essentially the opposite of Brian's, right? I have high LDL. And then I decided to do a little bit more digging because there's more kind of research coming out. The LDL might not be as uh, telling as we had once thought going into like ApoB and then the lipoprotein A markers. And uh, unfortunately, those are just about as bad as well.
1: Your glucose isn't high, though. I mean, it was lower than mine.
2: You know that is true, but if once we get to the H- HBA1C, it's like a five six or a five seven, mm-hmm. um, and this is a, actually a historically low reading of glucose for me at an eighty seven. Like I've took my fasting morning blood glucose easily over two hundred times in the last five years, and it is very very consistently like a ninety six to like a one hundred five.
0: Hmm. Now I remember when we had met up, Aaron, and you had said something about you had. Did you try a continuous glucose monitor and you had some very average yeah, readings?
2: Yeah. So I had a CGM on in the summer of 2000 or 2021 for a month. Um, and my body would, my glucose would be highest on average when I was sleeping. It would, like It would be highest on average fasting overnight than it would be throughout the day. I would get obviously like the spikes, you know, post meals. But within like 20 minutes, I'd be back down in the 80s, sometimes in the 70s and stuff. But then throughout the night, it would just kind of like rise. Um, So it could be kind of like an anomaly thing um, from my body. I I did get some uh, 23andMe genetic testing done also when I was back in the States and then uh, ported that into this kind of a more comprehensive tool called Stratagene. And I found that I have a few... Uh, like like polymorphisms, I guess would be the proper terminology to use. And one of them was a uh, like a very very slow um, melatonin um, metabolizing enzyme, and that is correlated with uh, fat, higher fasting uh, glucose readings. So like that could be correlative there, but it, it still does concern me because any any of the kind of research that that I've read on it is like you know over a lifetime elevated glucose and HbA1c, you know, sure. can be damaging and then uh, potentially um, leading into like, you know, CVD risk and stuff. And then I also have the genetic markers for there. And then when you read any of the information, like, well, how do I improve this? It's like, well, you got to exercise, you got to eat, right? You got to take care of yourself. But it's like, what do you do when you're already doing all of those things? Right, and that's right. my kind of crossroads now.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so we'll just go through um, thyroid, great nothing concerning there again creatinine high again obviously you guys are aware that that's not really something to be concerned about here um I would just point out so your liver enzymes are very slightly lower than Brian's but again these these can vary so much and and honestly even if you guys as much as I said before it's often used as an excuse it is the case that these do vary with you know if you were in a bulked up state and you were working out a lot and you just had a really intense workout that those would vary so um just let me keep in mind but these I wouldn't be concerned at all so and this is interesting to me your lipids because it's you know, something I said to Pete is you look at some of these things and they're considered to be very rare and yet we see some very interesting blood work between the three of you right so he had elevated LP little a as did his wife right so the chances of that very rare and then in your case actually did you test LP little a um Aaron
2: it's on the uh, it's on a different PDF that I sent okay. you
0: so we'll get to that but did you also say that's elevated oh yeah so oh, I mean, yeah you know for something that's supposed to be only 10 percent of the population you know very interesting um so he has high HDL though which is like much higher than mine yeah, yeah. So and, and I, I think you probably know this from listening to Atia, uh, Brian, but we can talk about the HDL a little bit. So for a while, people used to say it was like total, I mean, if you go way back, it was like total cholesterol is what you got to look at, right? Anything above 200 is a problem. And then it was, well, it's actually as long as you have high HDL, that's fine, right? Because it's the good cholesterol. And you know, it's all about the ratio and whatnot. And then they actually came and they had drugs that legitimately raised HDL and they found no clinical benefit to this at all, right? So, and even um, like niacin was one that was like, you know, not only did it raise HDL, but it sometimes would lower LDL and and just had no real clinical benefits. So um, very interesting there that that correlation, because the correlation, just to be clear for people listening, the correlation is there that higher HDL, that's naturally higher is better but any attempts to raise it have not been shown to be efficient or um efficacious so i i guess it's good that it's higher for you but yeah ldl of 139 is definitely high um and again i I think you might have heard me mention this aaron but that's i'm kind of trending that like 120 130 range as well and despite this very odd six month period where i and actually you know what i remember telling you the first time at the uh, the gym right and i was like I, I honestly cannot explain it i don't know why random six months of a profound drop to where i wouldn't even be considering a statin and then just back up um and the only time i've ever seen a dietary change make a big difference was in the negative direction with keto or, or carnivore where i had you know very very high levels of ldl so I am very interested to get back to the, uh, the diabetes aspect, but from this standpoint, are you considering medication, Aaron? Well,
2: medication, not, not quite yet. Um, what is next for me personally is getting like endothelial function tested. So there's like a, a max pulse test to really test like the, um, how do I want to describe it? Like not fluid, like the responsiveness uh, of of your arteries and then maybe like a, probably not a, a coronary calcium scan yet. Cause I just don't think I really have enough like miles on me yet yeah. to, to for that. And I don't want like a false positive, but it's really finding someone that I trust to have the conversation with in that something like Brian and I have talked to in the past. Like I just have very little faith in, in the traditional system and, mm. and, and it's until I find like a resource that I think is actually like listen to me. I would I feel much more confident in myself managing myself than going to like oh your insurance says this is your GP and he's like okay here we go you know right, here's your right. statins sort of thing. Um, that that is what's next for me. Yeah, maybe. I don't have any family history either. And really, uh, so th- there's that, and then I, you know, what is next is I have some all my siblings are half siblings, but I want to start seeing like they're in their like mid getting to like mid twenties. Now I want to see what theirs look like. Is this an Aaron thing or is this like a, Hey, you know, on, on the side of my family, we just have genetic, you know, uh, anomalies sort of thing, but no one has, has had a heart attack in my family that I know of. So
0: really interesting. Um, yeah. So the whole insurance thing, you could get me going on a big rabbit hole there. It's ridiculous, but, uh, as far as the endothelial test, what are you hoping to accomplish from that relative to these high cholesterol levels?
2: Just seeing if I do have like like correlative markers with that, like a heart, like uh, evidence of hardening of of the arteries in, in those sorts of things. Um, so basically, more correlation with the elevated lipids with with endothelial function as well. Or I guess I should say, like, do I have Uh, any indication of like diminished uh, endothelial function or artery function uh, in addition to like these lipids um if so yes i should probably be much more aggressive in my kind of trying to be preventative now in my mid-30s sort of thing
0: yeah i i I doubt you would find anything to be honest i I i think this is as you said something that takes more miles you know 35 isn't super young but it's it's not I mean, you're what, 34,
2: 35? I'll be 35 in like, in a week.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's not super young, but it's not super old. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what you get, but I'd be surprised if if you, especially because you're so active, right? It's such a history here. So, um, so do you know how, so you have no cardiovascular deaths in your family at all?
2: I just talked to my dad in, in that side of the family. Um, I have to talk to my mom's side. I, I, they tend the my mom's side people on my mom's side tend to die a little bit younger um but i I, besides past my grandmother i don't know the kind of i hate to call it like a mechanism of death but like reason of death for for that kind of extended um history but that will be some of my next um questions of people to ask
0: okay um so testosterone interesting right total testosterone uh, pretty much middle of the range, free testosterone low. And did we look at your free testosterone, Brian? Was that on there? Yeah, it was 8.1. Okay, I must have just scrolled right past. With the, uh, and, and I, you might have heard me mentioned this too. So I have to look into the actual mechanism as to why, I guess more the rationale behind this. But I've spoken with a, you know, a, a very knowledgeable endocrinologist on the direct method not being uh something that is well established with LabCorp so the direct method for uh, free testosterone that is now why that would be I'm not sure but he he was telling me that they literally will test their med students on this and that the direct method for whatever reason that assay is not valid for free testosterone Hmm. he would tell you if he was looking at this right now he would say literally you can't use this at all don't even look at the value um again why that is exactly I am not sure and I would have to look into that because you would think LabCore is literally between LabCore and Quest are the two biggest labs I was gonna say in the country but essentially in the world right so for them to be performing a test that is really invalid seems strange to me mm-hmm. um so if I can find out more about that reasoning I will look into that but I, I've heard that twice now um are you concerned about your levels at all Aaron have you had them tested previously and are they very different
2: they are generally on the lower side like over over the years um of getting like that same lab um life extension panel that, that that brian's was from i don't think i've ever seen them higher than like an eight or a nine and then what we will see like lower on the blood work i often have higher like uh, on the cusp of high or you know clinically high sex hormone binding globulin which would kind of you know be indicative as to why that free will be low
0: sure yeah. And how was your albumin? Let me, is that on here? He so, was 4.9, yeah, it's in, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So also towards a higher range, um, vitamin D, you don't take vitamin D or you do?
2: I do. And it, it's really funny how a lot of this is so, um, you know, individual, var- like the, the individual variability is high. Like I've lived in a perpetual summer for pretty much a, a decade now, yeah. um, supplementing vitamin D, I would say like 80, 75, 80% of the year, like consistently for the past five years, anywhere from five to 10,000 IU per day. Mm. And that puts me only right around there. Now, granted, there's that thing I have darker skin and I'm obviously, I'm not going to synthesize as much through sure. the sun, but um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, no that that is actually pretty shocking. So my levels were 17 before I started supplementing. Wow. And then, um, so this is actually interesting. So I I use the Now brand from Amazon, and I took five thousand. I use um, Scott Stevenson was talking about how when he took it, he just immediately noticed this like I don't know if he called it euphoria, but basically I like, heard you know. that. Yeah. And okay. I've never noticed any change in my mood with it, but I'm also a pretty stable guy. Like I don't really have many ups and downs. So, um what I noticed though was I was always at like mid 40s like 44 42 45 and then I actually I think I ran out and I just forgot to replace it for about two weeks and the reason I caught it was because my blood work showed like 30. so that okay I got it. make sure I get some more started reincorporating it I did it three more times testing and it never got above low 30s Mm-hmm. And I was like, did now brand just get worse? Like, what the heck happened? So I went up to 10,000 and it slowly creeped up. And the last time it was actually up into like 60. So I'm cutting it back down to 7,500. So I don't know if it was just that it took a super long time to get back up or what, but it was odd. It just, even on the 5,000, it just was not going up. But I like to be around 40 to 50. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I don't really go outside much. You know, I'm naturally pretty pale and I have significant skin cancer in my family. So, I just stay inside pretty much, but, uh, but for you to be outside so much, Aaron, and then while also supplementing it, that's pretty interesting.
1: His DHEA sulfate is way lower than mine. Yeah.
0: It's not a competition, Brian.
1: He's crushing me.
0: <laughs> well, technically you're crushing him, right? Yours are off yeah, the charge. You have I super physiological so. levels of DHEA sulfate. That's right um super good c-reactive protein um I Whoa, also want 0.2 point how, two point two so I I wonder how much that is and a lot of this up you know because you're you're pretty damn lean Aaron I know I, I think you were a little bit more bulked up are you around 200 now or
2: I'm over 200 now but the, these labs were in uh October I'd say I was at like 195 195 196 in, in October
0: okay because generally speaking you know, the leaner one is lower state of inflammation. I mean, you know, there's obviously a very healthy range, but as you start to get into higher body fats, right, you're going to have generally higher inflammatory markers, IL-6, CRP, things like that. So um, insulin also super low. So, and again, this, like I would agree, Brian, yours was quite low. Like this is a low level that I would expect for somebody who's healthy and fasting and whatnot. So I, I am interested to see you retest yours, but this, I'm guessing you don't have any concern here,
2: Aaron. I mean, the concern is that the HbA1c in like, okay, so like this is, this is like a picturesque fasting glucose for me, I'd say of like, I have probably 10, 11 sets of labs, mm-hmm. this is by far the lowest fasting okay. and, uh, glucose in any one of my labs. So it kind of, that was a bad example, but it's, my concern is is why, then why is it run higher? is it like, and, and again, it's like finding the, the people to have the, the conversations with like more in depth, like, should I really be concerned about diabetes? I do have a lot of diabetes on my dad's side of the family, but it's like, it's clinical diabetes. You know, like my dad is a textbook type two diabetic. He's six foot two, 180 pounds, right? He's not mm. overweight. whatsoever. Then been gone to the gym his entire life, but is on like metformin and everything. Cause like his lab work is, you know, diabetic and in my question is like potentially we just our family has some gene we run high like is that an actual concern or is it just like an anomaly and yeah. i just I'm, i don't know
0: well i i would want i wouldn't want to dismiss the fact of you know like let's say you had a gene for it because i had somebody else bring this up for uh was it Mark with the whole testosterone discussion there was something where somebody was like oh if somebody naturally has this just because somebody naturally has a certain level doesn't mean it's fine right like there are people who have familial hypercholesterolemia that's their natural level it's still a a detriment so um whether or not your glucose runs high if it were to actually start really running high like consistently 100 plus you know just because there's some gene that your whole family has it doesn't mean it's any less concerning so and i and i can understand how like you have this combination between like you said that 87 is not high but if you're consistently 100 plus and low insulin maybe um and as as you probably know so african americans do have higher rates of diabetes but that often correlates with because they have higher rates of obesity as well right and and you're at least a couple percentage points away from being obese i think so uh, i think it's uh let's see here and all that's fine too so i think if I was your doctor which for uh, everybody listening I'm not anybody's doctor here so uh, liability <laughs> for liability purposes so um I would just say it's something that you have to continuously monitor like in isolation if you just got this especially with the 87 I'd say it looks fine the fact that you have the higher glucose levels at night is really interesting But during your time wearing the CGM, your values during the day were normal, right? You said they returned very quickly to baseline when you had eating meal?
2: post post postprandial returns were like very, very good.
0: Yeah. Um, How low did they get during the day? Do you remember?
2: They would be in the 70s a couple of times, high 70s, like throughout the day after meals.
0: Yeah, so I I would totally back up what you're saying of trying to find somebody who you really trust who who can monitor you regularly, which I agree is it's hard because it's like that's just not how medicine is set up, unfortunately, right? I mean that's really where you have to find somebody who is a and sometimes these doctors like they're um I forget the term for that, but basically you know they are like your doctor almost on call all the time and everything for you and people who can really know you, um but but that's oftentimes so expensive, so. I think that's where sometimes he's like, you know, if you could hire Peter or Tia, obviously he'd be great for it, but he's like, you know, not really reachable. Um, but I, I would just say it's a matter of continuing to monitor. So where, where's your HBA1C? Did we pass that already?
2: Uh, it's going to be somewhere in there, probably up higher. In some...
0: Yeah, I didn't see it. Maybe it was not on this one.
2: Um. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Maybe it isn't. It's on the other one, though.
0: Okay, and so it's we'll pop over to like, the
2: other one. Yeah.
0: Now I'm curious. You had your estradiol checked, but then you also had your estrogen total checked. Was that just to throw it on there?
2: It's it's just in the panel that that, that I order,
0: oh, which is like okay. So you're selecting one thing that has all of this. You didn't select each individual. Yeah, panel. it's
2: it's like a it's a pre baked panel. Yeah, it's it's called like a male fat loss panel, pretty much
0: so realistically for you then it's the the, in my opinion the lipids I I mean I actually would be more concerned about the lipids if if I was you than I would be the diabetic risk not that there's none I just again I I know I haven't followed all of your blood work this whole time but when I look at it I mean your glucose is really fine I mean 87 and even HbA one I mean we'll try to get to it I have to move this stuff around but um 5.6, 5.7 is not, 5.7 is starting to get into that range. Um, But again, like, what do you do about it other than maybe start taking like a low dose metformin, which I don't know, it's probably, I I would just guess knowing you is not something that you want to do.
2: Well, here's the thing. I did that. Okay. And in 2018, I was on metformin for two months and nothing. And that was like every morning. I had fasting glucose readings. Like it, it did, it did literally nothing.
0: Huh. Interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. When were you taking the metformin?
2: This would be probably like June, June, July, August, somewhere around there in 2018. But I mean, and like there was a day. I was. Oh, I had it was. I think it was the XR um, and. I'm really stretching to remember, but in the morning uh, and then I think with an afternoon meal as well, or potentially it was an evening meal, but that's when all this kind of stuff started for me. Um, I was like, when I was first getting labs, I also lost a lot of weight during that period of time. That's when I was like, you know, over uh, 220 plus. And then I started like dropping weight and getting a lot leaner. And even that I lost like 27 pounds, got really lean my my glucose didn't budge at all
0: wow that is very interesting yeah it, it's uh so basically the question then is if this starts going up you've you've kind of already exhausted the options right so like you've gotten lean you've exercised you've got metformin so if it does start what do you do
2: i mean that's and that's where i want to start having like Find the the next kind of level of person to have those conversations. Like, would I, would it potentially be beneficial to go on a low dose of insulin sort of thing in, in the morning or whenever they would describe or uh, um, suggest incorporating that sort of thing? Would that, I mean, obviously would that should bring it down, but like, is that a potential scenario for me at some point sort of thing?
0: And would you consider yourself natty at that point?
2: I'm, I'm not really concerned with that. You know, (laughs) I could, I could be like, yeah, no, I'm not. And that's okay. I don't have plans to compete or anything. So, um, that's one that I find as I get older means much less to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, health first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I did have a friend who was diabetic and, uh, in college, he definitely pushed the insulin quite a bit (laughs) for Uh, extracurricular purposes so (laughs) Uh, let me see if I can pull this one up here
1: as you're doing that wasn't Pete's LP little a like 290 or something it was super elevated yeah because I feel like Strakers isn't isn't that high
2: when I Uh... looked at it this isn't going to be. This lab would have a an HBA one C on it, I think, but not the the other. Like the Bali lab is the the name of that PDF that we'll have.
0: Okay, the, yeah, I'll go to that. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say about the. Oh yeah, here's
1: glucose ninety nine on this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, there was something you said about the insulin that I'm blanking on. Oh no, I was just going to say that the the only problem with what you said about like you know trying to find that next level up it, it's almost it gets to the level of kind of like fringe medicine where you're just you're what you're going to find is somebody who you like right and who you can buy into what they're saying but ultimately there's like evidence base and there's just not evidence for that next level of kind of what you're talking about right which i'm not saying that in like a negative way towards you i just mean that Unfortunately, you know there's kind of like standard medicine, and then there's these people who have tried these things with their patients, and it's their opinion based on the anecdotes of their patients that it's working, right? And unfortunately, no. you could have plenty of people who strongly disagree. But if it works for you, works for you, great. It's just more to say that I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like who's got more educational knowledge. I think it's going to be like, has anybody worked with your type of population specifically?
2: You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I, I think that. That's the limitation when you, I guess, find yourself outside the, not necessarily scope, but when you find yourself on the fringe of what the research is on. Like you're not going to find lipid research on your mid-30s person who health and fitness is their life and they still have these sorts of things, right? Just how you're not going to find a lot of lifting research on people who've been lifting natural for 20 years and are at their, you know, approaching their genetic ceiling sort of thing. And that's where it it becomes really individualized. And I'm going to have to leverage my like, best decision making skills and 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 I guess trust potentially in that and it's not common or not not very yet explored territories per se.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that is also, you know, in the world of Like, uh, I guess when people talk about this holistic medicine and and, uh, like functional medicine, and a lot of that is just BS, but I can empathize with those people because this is a little bit different, but um, it's unfortunate. And and I've dealt with health issues before that there's just, there weren't answers for. And so I can understand the people who, if they're dealing with chronic pain or, you know, you get like a lot of people who say like fibromyalgia is made up or, or certain other ailments that people have and it's tough because it's like well I, I follow the traditional medical model and I'm left with nothing and then people say I'm like crazy or hypochondriac or whatever for this issue or I'm making you know pain up pain is obviously a really complicated topic but um just to say that it, it is tough when you are not getting answers from the standard model and you have to start going down this rabbit hole and that's where many people are susceptible also to scams and and some of these fringe doctors and and whatnot because they don't have the knowledge base to vet out maybe what's potentially actually helpful versus what is BS so obviously this is veering off on the blood work topic but it's just it's unfortunate and I I can empathize with those people because they're often kind of vilified on I mean this is where like a lot of the carnivore people come in where it's like do I agree with the carnivore diet for most people I don't um but for whatever reason, it's it does seem that there's hundreds and hundreds of anecdotes of these people getting help with autoimmune issues and stuff where nothing else they did was working, and I can I can empathize. Basically, I'm just saying with with those situations because it's it's tough.
2: Yeah, and so. I mean that's something that I'm I'm fortunate for, uh, you know. I guess my my career in this space, my ability to understand my own lab work, like knowing that I can just go buy my own lab work and I don't have to be like. Hey doc, I want this. And then they say, no, like that's happened to me many yeah. times in the past. You know, I remember one time and that's what put me down vitamin D the first time. Right. I, I said, Hey, mm. I want to go get my vitamin D checked. And he was like, you're young. We live in Southern California. Like he literally said no. Mm. And then I was like, okay. And of course, like you wait two, three weeks to go get this doctor's appointment to say, Hey, I want to get a vitamin D test. And then they say no. And then I learned that like, I can just go order it for like yeah. 40 bucks. And then go to lab core in the morning you know you know it's and then of course when i got it done it was like a 37 (laughs) yeah yeah. so uh it was it it can be frustrating with parts of the traditional model but fortunately you know we are are, you know americans and, and with the capitalist kind of society like if you want it the opportunities for going to get it are there you just have to know how to get it sort of thing
0: yeah yeah especially now I mean I've been getting blood work since I was like 18 and I would have to like go to my doctor and I would just kind of like make crap up and then I would just get the script (laughs) and like thankfully my my doctor was pretty chill but um so what's good about this is that you do have these repeat blood works so you you can see okay you're right the glucose is like just borderline and you you said you've had it above the reference range as well same thing I mean so so honestly man LDL 170 I mean the other one was 139 I would, not to like scare you, but I would legitimately be more concerned about this than the diabetes aspect. Um, Like, again, I I understand you're knowledgeable, but if you are chronically having LDL of like 170 plus, now to be fair, well, actually, and this one, your triglycerides are creeping up there too. Again, not that that they're high, but the other one, it was like very, very good, right? Very, very good HDL, very, very good triglycerides. Your HCL is still great here, but triglycerides trending up. Would you say this is more representative, or the other one was more representative of your typical?
2: The other one, this one was the worst I'd ever seen it, and this one was—I'm uh, not sure the date here. It was like no, it was like December, December twenty-second or something. Oh, 5th. December, yeah, December fifth. And then I have the the Bali Labs from literally like two weeks ago, um, and they are back down more. So it could have been like this was the week before we were like gearing up to move to bali again it could have been just like a higher stress period where i was trying to get everything done and you know all sorts of um but this one was the worst to where i was like okay this is this is like straight up bad Sort of. yeah
0: yeah for Mm -hmm. sure so all right well i mean as long as you're aware of it so um let's see have you ever had any hemoglobin or hematocrit issues Nope. No. Okay. Okay. So this one
2: is a
1: relatively short one. So there should be H there's no HBA one C on there either. Huh?
2: You know what? No, because this one was, uh, I forgot. I just ordered the lipid panel, like for, Mm. for anyone out there listening, like on, on life extension, if you just want like a basic glucose, you know, lipids, uh, uh, CMP sort of thing, it's literally $35. Mm. So it, it, it is very, very accessible for for those
0: sorts of things. Is this the one? No, That's the one. Mine. Oh, it's one. the Hold on. Yeah, I'll just cut this out. Because I just had it up. Yeah, it's weird. I can like see it here. This is it, right?
2: Okay. It- oh yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah, I forgot I sent it in an image.
0: Right. All right and then this one that you trying to see the date here this was just recently nineteenth uh, this
2: is February 19th yeah, so uh, this one is in Bahasa, which is into the Indonesian language.
0: I wonder how the labs are there. are they known to be reputable is it
2: uh, so i've i the only person I know using this is like a, um uh, like a bodybuilding kind of influencer who who lives here um who who uses it the LP little a had to get shipped up to Jakarta, um, which is like the capital of Indonesia. Um I, I cannot say, but the fact that like glucose and HBA1C were very, very kind of correlative with my previous numbers, as was the triglycerides, the HDL and the LDL, be pretty correlative with my my other uh previous historical numbers. The APOB. Yeah. And the LP little A are the only ones that I I I had APOB tested once, maybe like two years back. I can't remember specifics there. So I will like I'll be in the states in in a couple months for for a couple weeks, and I will get labs again there. Just and I will order the APOB and the lipoprotein A just to kind of you know cross my T's and dot my eyes sort of thing.
1: Yeah. That, now go ahead. Brian. That reference range for APOB is much higher here than it is on the one that I did.
0: What was your reference range?
1: It was under 90, and this one says 66 to 133.
0: And what was your APOP? Did I miss that on the other one, Brian? No,
1: I I sent it to you in a screenshot of a different thing. It was 54. Okay. Yeah, you said that. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's interesting, though, because so you guys are familiar with the, uh, the differentiation between the particle sizes and whatnot there. Okay, yeah. so um, so for people listening, basically, you know, you, you can get an NMR, what's this what is it called NMR lipoprofile done, where well, they'll, they'll break down not just their total LDL and, and cholesterol number, but they'll look at particle number. Um, and then they'll also look at particle size. And for the longest time, I had actually kind of wondered, so the idea is that higher LDL particle is really the issue. And that correlates with LDL cholesterol, because Obviously, the cholesterol is being carried by the particles, right? So, why they don't just as a standard test LDLP, I don't know. But basically, ApoB is is a good measurement of that. Um, but I had always heard, okay, so like the small dense particles are the more concerning ones, right? Than the like quote unquote big fluffy ones. And I had thought, is that because there's something actually problematic with the small dense ones themselves, or is it just the fact that for a given total cholesterol number like ldlc if you have more small particles small particles are going to carry less cholesterol and therefore for a given ldlc you would then have a higher particle number total and it turns out it's both actually so it it is both problematic inherently and the fact that it results in a higher particle number Um, but your apob here certainly by the reference range but even just proportionally even using brian's reference range Um, is slightly less concerning which would make me wonder if relative to average you had a little bit more of like the big fluffy particle number or particles um again not that it wouldn't be concerning you'd want to bring it down but i I just based on the ratio of your apob to your ldlc i would wonder if that's the case Um, and then obviously again very high lp little a um i don't know if you heard the pete rubish podcast aaron i'm not here yet no Okay, so I'll just repeat what I what I said there. And I, I know, Brian, you probably know this as well. But um, it seems that there's pretty much n- almost nothing you can do about it. Uh, you're right. His is lower than Pete Rubish's, but still quite elevated. From what I've heard uh, from Peter and um, I think it's Dr. Strauss, and there's one other guy, a lipidologist, basically that, oh, Dr. Rader, maybe, um, that essentially you can't do anything about it other than maybe a PCSK9 inhibitor. And therefore, if you can just bring LDL down low enough, then it, I don't want to say nullifies completely, but it it makes it so that you don't have to worry so much about the LP of little a. Um, I think even statins can slightly increase LP little a, but again, the net benefit is positive. But it is interesting to me, um, Aaron, that you, not I don't want to say you're not concerned, but it seems like you had much more of a concern with the diabetic aspect than the lipid aspect?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm not overly concerned. Um, because I, I just, man, I'm going to like, you know, dox myself here. I'm not sure how much I buy into like the population subset numbers, you know, in terms of like cardiovascular disease, cardiac, you know, event sort of thing. Mm. Um, I, I forget the statistic, but like a very, very high number of cardiac, you know, uh, event uh, individuals, I, I guess, are victims per se, I'm not sure the correct terminology there, have normal lipid values, and but they're still having, you know, cardiovascular events. Um, so my kind of plan, like I mentioned, is like to monitor the arteries and the calcium score. And like, if I never build, you know, plaque, have any kind of arterial wall thickening, those sorts of things, how can I have a heart attack, irrespective, even if I don't have great, you know, lipid numbers? Um, so taking much more of like a, I just want to see what's actually going on, as opposed to just like, okay, this is what people say, right. take a, take a step sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I actually just had a patient last week who um, I hadn't seen her in a while. And she had told me that she just had uh, stent placed because her Widowmaker was 90% blocked but what's crazy is that she had just had a calcium score done and showed zero on her calcium score like three weeks prior how that's possible i have no idea i, I was talking about it. I was like i don't i have no explanation for how that's possible did they just do it wrong i don't know um but yeah she went from basically just a couple weeks prior saying nope nothing to then working out having chest pain and then 90 percent blockage so um that I would always just want to put the the uh everything in my favor to your point though you're certainly not like you know a lot of times some people with this high LDL there's other things going on um not to not to discount that LDL is a cause of it but a lot of times you do see it's like okay they have high LDL and they're obese and they are diabetic or pre-diabetic and their HDL is low and triglycerides are high and there's this whole like storm going on um, but mo- probably more important than any of that is your family history. If you have a family, of uh, basically no family history for cardiovascular events, that's that's pretty good. You know, I mean, that's r- literally in most cases the number one thing that you want to look at initially. And y- did you say your dad has gone to the gym his whole life, or had never gone to the gym?
2: His whole life, yeah, been to the okay. gym. Yeah,
0: gotcha. I was going to say even more so if he hadn't gone to the gym and he still had but you know, I assume maybe your grandparents didn't, and so um, the family history is super important. So, uh, I am interested to see (laughs) what you find as you go along that journey as
2: well. Yeah. I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop. I have to, like I said, I have to ask my mom and stuff and and get some information, but I think one, one thing that's another, this one's interesting to me is like, I, and, and I don't know how it is for, for you guys, but like, besides like my dad, you know, goes to the gym and stuff. But other than that, like everyone in my family, like I'm the only one, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure this is really indicative for a lot of people in, you know, at the American population, like many people don't exercise or eat well and those sorts of things And that is always like a kind of thing where it's like, well, like how much does that matter? I don't really know. I, I We'd like to think that it really, really matters. Um, but it's, yeah, what I'm, what I'm kind of getting as like, I just don't know. And then when you're comparing yourself to people who don't live the lifestyle that you do, who eat. A a standard american diet and that sort of thing sure how much correlation is there you know with that big elephant in the room sort of thing
1: none of the men on either side of my family as far as back as i can tell have lived past like early 70s really but it's for like reasons that are not like they're just different lifestyles like you said like uh my dad I guess he lived the the best lifestyle, but he's got seizures. He had a stroke at 58 or something. And then uh, his dad died of multiple myeloma. So he worked in a dry cleaners where there was like chemicals and stuff around him all the time. And then his dad died from alcoholism. So mm, yeah. I mean, it's just like, they, they don't relate to me really. Yeah. I just had a friend who
0: was telling me he thinks he's going to die early. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, I just don't think I'm going to live past 50. And I was asking why and he said, you know all the men in his family die really young i think his dad is the oldest living one at like low 60s um but they're all obese and i'm pretty sure like half of them were alcoholics um you know, basically just completely different lifestyle than what this this guy is living right so um family history is super important but obviously lifestyle is also super important and, and pretty much all of us are, are doing most of the things that you know we talked about this on other podcasts brian like these things of like, hey, I want my VO2 max and like the top 2.5 percentile and all these things. That, that's great, but um, for most people, it probably is all the stuff we always talk about, right? Eating healthy, exercising several times per week, getting at, like I say, getting outside as I become a vampire and, and stay inside. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, like the, those those basic blocks that we always talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you see if you agree, but I feel like steps, like just getting steps and getting walking in there, and then lifting weights probably gets you the majority of the way and neither of those are really going to do much to increase your vo2 max but they're going to get you like i would say 95 98 of the way to to living a longer life as far as the exercise portion is concerned
0: yeah it'd be interesting to hear um because abel sent us that little clip or i think it was able about um eric helms right on in mm-hmm. his comment Mm-hmm. and basically eric's stance was that the benefits of high intensity exercise have been overstated and that you pretty much get a strong benefit from just increased movement increased steps and that's really where most of it comes from and part of me it like so it's hard for me to disagree with that when one you do see strong data supporting just more exercise correlating with with longer lifespan and then two while we can't go by anecdote like from a scientific standpoint you know obviously it's like the lowest form it's, it's I will say so my my grandmother right the classic story like oh my grandmother who was obese her whole life she didn't smoke or anything but pretty much inactive obese her and all like five of her Italian sisters so she's she just turned 99 um all of her sisters were like 93 to 99 I guess um my Aunt Jo is still like on Facebook posting my great Aunt Joe posting like Facebook recipes like she's more on Facebook than I am like knows <laughs> more about it um. So, like, and these aren't, uh, but like, my my mom would always like say, like, oh, but you know, she had like healthy tomato sauce, and she was walking up and down the stairs for laundry, like one of those kind of stories. <laughs> um. But but just healthy to say, tomato sauce, <laughs> exactly right. Ignore all the <laughs> pounds of meat that's thrown in there. So, right. um. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where the correlation with exercise is significant, but it's it's not like we're talking decades difference in most cases. You can do a lot to screw it up right yeah. like if you're like drug use and you know or drug abuse and um obesity and, and like chronic issues sure but if you're doing most things fine it, it's largely genetics um but to peter atia's point i do wonder when he talks about this um what does it call it like the centenarian olympics, yeah, olympics whatever, yeah, and, yeah. and all that and i guess his point being like sure i mean he even says this though we're not necessarily going to increase the lifespan that much but the health span you know in an ideal world he talks about how it's like just a big like you go and then you just drop off rather than just like this gradual like worsening 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 so so they probably wouldn't actually be opposed that much it's just about making sure because if if you do just have an average vo2 max and that keeps dropping you know 10 percent every decade then or you know whatever the numbers are then um you are going to be pretty immobile and unable to do normal activities of daily living when you're
1: 80 plus right so right right yeah i mean the interesting thing uh, i heard atia and uh on Milan say on one of the podcasts was that uh there's a lot of people that don't take care of themselves at all in their 40s 50s and then when their kids get o- go out of the house and they retire that suddenly they you know at 70 or 60 or whatever they start you know, hitting the pavement and doing all sorts of biking and building up their VO two max and starting to like prioritize their health. And there's like people that have 40 year old type metabolic panels at 70 who never took care of themselves earlier, but they've kind of made up that ground in their later years by really prioritizing it. So I know these are all like, there could be outlier stories and stuff like that too, but it does kind of seem like in many ways that exercise is sort of like a get out of jail free card, In that, like, you know, if you have enough muscle, it increases glucose sensitivity and decreases metabolic disease and all that stuff. And then if you get outside and you breathe heavy and stuff like that, I mean... It just it seems to to make a huge difference, and I don't always eat the best. Like shit, man! I saw you post those all those cookies you were eating the other day, and it it made me it made me reminisce about when I would eat like an entire pan of brownies, you know. And yeah, like yeah. it just like we 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 dispose of it. Like in some ways, it just kind of goes to the cost of the exercise, you know, or the to yeah. Rip, to, rip, yeah.
0: Listen, man! I just discovered crumble cookies, and they are. <laughs> totally appealing (laughs) to my desire for variety because they change their flavors every week and i'm like ocd where i like check things off so they're just getting me every week where like i gotta try these new ones so right for sure a little bit unfair (laughs) um just real quick to wrap up i i'm just curious you guys are a bit older than i am i remember when i was asked at 30 i was like yeah do you feel older and i was like honestly i don't feel older at all like i literally feel exactly the same um, and part of it, like I was still around, like, you know, I had young patients and I was in residency. So I, you know, all these things like that. So I'm around a younger population and I'm starting to feel it now, but also more in, um, I'm seeing it in like friends and whatnot. So I'm curious, you guys are both super active. You live the lifestyle. You have presumably 35 to 40 year old friends. Are you seeing a big decline in the people? Cause I know when I met you, Aaron, I was shocked that you were, mid thirties. Honestly, if you told me you were 28 or 29, I would have believed you. So like, are you guys seeing that with your friends?
2: Unfortunately, yes. In, 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 yeah, I mean, more so I would say, I mean, one thing for me is like you kind of see your friends that you grew up with, like starting to turn into their dads, Mm -hmm. you know, like every, and maybe this is me because I will only see my, my friends based off of my lifestyle and stuff like every year, every other year. People put on another 10, 20 pounds and, in that, and they, they like, like your friends that you used to train with all the time, like haven't been to the gym in three years now sort right. of thing. And like that, I, I would say more so I've noticed it with like their, their wives and just the, the impacts of like, you know, uh, pregnancy, childbirth and the, you know, the, the society and pressures of that and like things that have happened to them. Um, but yes, I, I would say I have started to see it.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I haven't quite as much. And I think it's partly just because all my friends in Boulder and in San Diego live lives somewhat similar to the way that, that we live. Mm. Uh, like even if they're not lifting weights and trying to do zone two and zone five cardio, you know, yeah. seven times a week or whatever it is, <laughs> like they, they have their thing like they they do mountain biking or they do, you know, circuit classes at some gym or, you know, the girls are doing orange theory or yoga and Pilates and like everybody's staying active every weekend. We're out like mountain biking or doing something outside. So, um, I haven't Great. seen a ton of it, but I mean, you do see people age and like, even despite a lot of these activities that my friends are doing, I've seen, weight gain fluctuations but but they're conscious of it so they're like oh you know i just gained 12 pounds over the last six months like now i'm gonna really dial it in and i'm gonna lose that weight and like then they're kind of back to baseline again so um it'll be interesting to see it you know as we continue to go another decade from here yeah yeah for sure cool
0: guys all right well hopefully i could provide some insight for you guys and especially the polystyrens and everything um anything to sign off for you guys other than where we can find you
1: Nah, I think we're only, good, man. Yeah. Go ahead. Stryker.
2: The only thing I was going to say is like relative to the, the the opposite of that kind of last question for how I feel at, you know, I'll be 35 in, in a week. And I know Brian, you're, you're 40 now actually. Right. Yeah. Like I feel fantastic. Like I feel better at 35 than I did at 26. Now, granted a lot of my late twenties was rifled with the like super intensity, you know, CrossFit training and just not knowing how to recover and, you know, surgeries and those sorts of things. But like, I feel really, really good. Like I'm training as hard as I ever have from a physique standpoint, I'm still only improving. Um, but like, I don't drink anymore. There's no smoke, like everything, all my, you know, eggs are in that basket. But in terms of like the, the, the years of, of life wear and tear, I do feel like utterly fantastic at 30 It's great.
1: I, I'd say my body and like my just energy and like mental focus throughout the day is better now than it was in my late twenties, early mid thirties throughout the CrossFit years of like overtraining and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to, to be 40 and still, you know, feeling so good and living the life. That's awesome guys. Cool. Yep. All right. So where can we find you guys? We have a podcast, Eat, Train, Prosper. We co-host it together. So make sure y'all check that out. And then uh, I'm at Brian Borstein on Instagram. You can find my companies and all that stuff through there.
2: And I am Aaron underscore Straker on Instagram. And then if you find Brian, you can find me.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Dave.